Thank you for joining us for the Change Lives, Changing Lives radio broadcast, a ministry of New Day Christian Church. And remember, if you are ever in our area, please stop by. We'll make you feel right at home. Now, let's join Pastor George Logan for today's message. So let's pray and then let's get right into the Word. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for another opportunity to gather around your Word and to learn more about you. We thank you, Father, for keeping us safe. We declare according to your word that your angels are encamped round about us to keep us in all of our ways, lest we even dash our foot against a stone, and that you keep us in the cleft of the rock, and no enemy shall come nigh, no plague shall come nigh our dwelling place in the name of Jesus. I thank you this morning for thinking through my mind and speaking through my lips, words that will edify, exhort, comfort, and provoke change in the lives of each and every individual here under the sound of my voice. We praise you for it all in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. All right, well, let's get into it. Uh, today we're going to talk about one of, another one of the powers. We've talked about the power of joy. We've talked about the power of hope. And today we're going to talk about the power of righteousness. And when many people hear that word righteousness, uh, a lot of things are, come up in their minds, I'm sure. Uh, one of those are doing right, you know, doing right things uh, would be one thought about righteousness. Um, others may have thoughts of, of, of righteousness uh, being, um, you know, the way we live our lives, the way we give to others, uh, the way we see ourselves. Uh, today, so we're going we're gonna to examine that in light of, of where we are today and, and to see how it will impact us, and I believe it will profoundly impact us. As a matter of fact, I believe that righteousness is by far um, what causes us to thrive, success, conquer, to live victorious lives, and to relate well to one another. And so uh, if, it's out, if it's missing and if we don't understand it, then we all have an issue. We all have a problem. Righteousness... Uh, is what everyone needs. Righteousness is what everyone thrives after. Righteousness is what causes us to be balanced or to be on edge. Uh, righteousness is so profoundly uh, necessary in our society today um, because it is fundamentally how we uh, relate to one another in relationship. And if we don't understand righteousness, uh, then we are doomed to to live unrighteously uh, amongst one another. So w let's look at this. I want to start out with a scripture, and then we're going to give you about nine points, and then we're going to get into some definitions of, of righteousness. So here we go. Um, <clears throat> what is righteousness? Well, uh, scripture, foundation of scripture, Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. That's Romans 8 and 1. There is therefore now, now, everyone say now, now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That means there's no pronouncement of a judgment for those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Two words there, now and no, and three words, condemnation. There's now no condemnation. There's now no condemnation. Many times people 
are uh, hopeful of eternity, that, that we're going to go and live eternally with God, and then we will become righteous. Uh, but according to Romans 8 and 1, he says now, as in right now, uh, for those who are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. There's no judgment. There's no pronouncement of judgment. There's no guilty verdict. There's nothing that causes someone to, to feel condemned or shame or guilt or anything like that. So that's important for us to understand as we get into the study because uh, the way we see ourselves relative to righteousness, relative to uh, judgment, relative to condemnation, uh, will determine how we fit with one another, how we relate to one another, how we live together, and even uh, how we deal with uh, racial, uh, as they say, injustices that are going on in our country today. It all is fundamentally uh, embedded in uh, the sense of righteousness or unrighteousness. And if we don't get that right, then we'll always have some issues going on uh, relative to that. So let me tell you a couple of stories here before we get started on these points. Uh, I was over at uh, a member of our uh, house recently, and, um, and I hope this is okay for me to share this. But they have two dogs. One dog they, they, they kind of brought up uh, from, a, from a pup, and the other one was a rescue dog that they brought into their home. Well, the, the dog that they had, had brought into their home uh, as a pup um, and, and knew the stakes and wasn't... Uh, in a, in, a, in a pound where they had to be rescued from, I don't know, maybe some abuse or whatever, uh, that dog was just so cool. He just kind of knew his way around the house. He didn't cause any problems. He didn't look to be justified or look to do things right. And he just lived life, you know. He just was the man in his home, in the, in the house. The other one, which was a rescue dog, um, he told me, uh, the owner said that he's always looking to make sure he's doing it right. He's always making sure. Is this okay, Master? Can I go over here, Master? He's always conscious of doing it right, conscious of not doing it right. In other words, he had a, a sin or a, a right consciousness or a, a, a consciousness that says, am I doing this the way my Master wants me to do it? The other one, the other dog just, just knew his master loves them. Just knew that, man, we can go and I can come, I can go, I can go to this room, I can go to that room, I can go wherever I need to go. And there's no sense of condemnation. The other one was so conscious of law, so conscious of doing it right. And you could see it, you could see it in the two dogs. One's laying down, one's like, should, should, should I do this? Should I not do this? Can I? Can I not? Is this all right? And you can see it. Well, I would say to you, and I would submit to you, that, that most humans live like those two dogs. One being uh, conscious of their righteousness with their, dog, with their owners. The other one being wondering whether or not I'm all right. You know, can I do this right? And, and I would say that, that, that we are in this country the same way. We are, are one group of people are constantly wondering if I'm doing it right they're trying to be conscious, trying to, to, to be conscious of the law and, and wondering if, if I'm accepted and am, am I approved. And the other group are like, you know, hey, it's our country. We'll go, we'll do, we'll live the way we desire to live. Uh, but there are two sets of consciousness there. 
Uh, as a matter of fact, I was talking to a good friend of mine the other day, and I shared this with him. And it was kind of an aha moment. He's a pastor friend of mine. And it was kind of an aha moment for him. And I hope you can understand this. Uh, I said to him, um, after, after we talked for a, a while, uh, I said, you know, there's not a day that I, grow, I get up where I'm not in some way during the course of that day conscious that I'm a black man. Something, some setting, some position, whether I'm, I'm riding my bike or I'm in the grocery store or I'm at an, uh, a board meeting or whatever, uh, at some point I become conscious that I'm black. That, that is, that is a, that is a um, default that I grew up in. I'm not saying that all black men or all black people have that same default, but I would, I would surmise to say that probably they do. I would think that if you question them, that most would say, I, I, I become conscious that I'm a black person in certain settings. I don't know if that's the case for any of you all that are here with us this morning, but if, if it is, give me a head nod, just let me know that, yeah, I, I understand, Pastor, what you're talking about, okay? So, so that, that is something that, that is a part of us. That is our, our, our consciousness, as it were, our black consciousness. Now, what I have learned to do because of the Word of God is to override that consciousness. In other words, I'm in a setting, I make a choice to either stay in that consciousness or override that consciousness, just as something would pop up on your computer uh, that is a default within your computer, and you have a choice to keep it the default, or you can override it. Well, because of the Word, and only because of the Word of God, I've been able to override that default. I'm not saying that the default has gone. It's still there, and it still rises up, but I have learned how, because of the Word of God, because of confessions of faith like, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Uh, those types of confessions... Those words have allowed me to form another consciousness, a righteousness uh, consciousness. And so that being understood, uh, that's, I believe, how we are functioning in the world today in this sense of, of, of two forms of righteousness, a, a consciousness towards one thing or the other. And I think fundamentally, uh, in the core of our being, you have one, one people group saying, accept me. One, group, one people group saying, uh, are we also a part of this uh, nation? Are we also a part of this land? Uh, will you please accept us in? And that's what you're hearing. That is part of, I believe, the rage that is, that is, that is coming out today and hemorrhaging uh, within our country is a group of saying, do, my, do, do we matter? Do you see us? Do, are, are we there? Now, a wonderful thing is happening amongst many black people today uh, because of this. And I think, I don't know how long lasting it will be, but one thing is happening. We're getting a lot more hand waves, a lot more smiles, a lot more how you doing, what's going on. And that's all right. That's cool. But all we're saying is that we've always been here. <laughs> we've always been here. And all we're saying is that we desire we desire, when I say we, we desire to be acknowledged. That is the fundamental desire of righteousness. The fundamental desire of righteousness is to be accepted, to be received. Now, I'm telling you also that that is not necessary for us to be okay if you're a Christian. 
whether we are received by the populace or not, that is not necessary when we have been received by the Almighty God, when we have become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It doesn't hurt matters, but we don't need that if you are a believer. Now, if that's all you have, if you don't have that, uh, that faith uh, in Christ and that righteousness that comes by way uh, of Jesus Christ, then you're always longing for that kind of acceptance, that desire for somebody to see you. And there's nothing wrong. That's, that's a human nature. We all desire to fit in. We all desire to be right. That's fundamental to our core being is to be right. Because of the Word of God, we find another way to become righteous. Now, I'll, I want to show you this in a few points that I want to make to you this morning because it's so vitally important. Now, I, I left out a part of the story. Um, I... I, 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 I um, I, I, uh, I asked uh, uh, this, uh, the same gentleman, I mean, no, no I, I take that back. I asked this another set of group of gentlemen, uh, re, you know, do they wake up, you know, these are white gentlemen, do they wake up thinking about being white? And, and, and obviously I'm not trying to polarize anything, but here's, here's, here was across the board. Here's what it was across the board was, no. Think about being white. That's, that, I, don't, I don't think about being white. I, I, I'm, I'm not conscious of my whiteness. And the reason being is that they're not needing to fit in. They're, they're not trying to fit in. They, they, they simply um, feel like, I'm here. I, I own this. I mean, why do I need to think about it? It's only the group that is trying to get in that thinks about their con- or conscious of it. Now, now you take a, a, a white person uh, and they, you put them at an HBCU football homecoming game. And all of a sudden, they become very conscious of being white. Now, what am I saying is that, that, that all of us have some degree of that in our lives. But if you are the 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 the, the um, if you're the dominant party, then it's less it's less incumbent upon you to think that way. You don't have to think that way. So here's some points I want you to see this morning, as we go through this. I hope this is making sense. I hope it's rolling out correctly. Number one, man man has but one problem. Everybody say one problem. One problem, and that is sin. And that sin separates us and alienates us from God. That is our primary issue in life. It is sin that separates us and alienates us from God. That is our one problem because that problem leads us to establish our own righteousness, our own desire to be right. And when we have been alienated and separated from God, there is something that pounds on the inside of us all the time where we're thinking, wanting, desiring. Every man, I don't care if you're white, black, yellow, red, it doesn't matter. All of us have that in us is that when we are, are uh, separated from God because of sin, uh, we, are, we feel constantly, not sometimes, we constantly feel that alienation and that separation. And so we, we desire to make that right. We desire to do things to, see, to try to make ourselves feel right again. Okay? Number two, separation and alienation from God 
is the source of man's sin nature. Separation and alienation from God is the source or the byproduct of man's sin nature or the, the reason for man's sin nature is that separation and alienation uh, from God. Uh, so that's a big issue for us. When we are separated and alienated from God, we are always in a state of unrest because we're always trying to work out our own salvation. We're always trying to work out our own sense of rightness. Number three, separation and alienation creates ingrained and ingrained sin consciousness. Separation and alienation create an ingrained sin consciousness of doing right or doing wrong. That we're always on the measuring block. Am I right? Am I wrong? So all of us are like the dog who is the rescue dog in some way. We're always looking for a way to be right. No matter what that is. And we'll talk about some of those things in just a minute. But we're always looking for a way to be right. Number four, sin consciousness breeds fear, shame, guilt, condemnation, and inferiority. Sin consciousness breeds this. It, it actually brings to pass these kinds of emotions. Fear, shame, guilt, condemnation, and inferiority. Now, all of those things that I just said, every one of them must be combated. Every one of those feelings must have something that makes them, releases us from fear, releases us from shame, releases us from guilt, releases us from inferiority. And, and so we began to combat those kinds of feelings of fear and, and, and this sin consciousness. We combat it with these things. Sin consciousness causes us to continuously labor. Listen to this. Sin consciousness causes us to continuously labor for dominance, for concealment, I mean hiding, for innocence, for equality, and for superiority. Think about it just for a minute. Sin consciousness, alienation, separation from God, always causes us to labor for Dominance, for concealment, hiding, for innocence, for equality, and for superiority. Now, why do I say that? Because everyone's got to do something with sin. We all have to. It's our biggest problem, and we seek to do something about it. And so what do we do about it? We do everything that is necessary to make ourselves feel good, feel right. And so, for one group, it's dominance. For another group, it's inferiority. For one group, for one group they're, 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 that's battling with, with a, a sense of inferiority, it's the desire to, to be superior over. So, every single thing that is related to our sin consciousness, uh, the, 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 uh, the, the come, way we combat it is through dominance, through concealment, through hiding it, suppressing it, through a seeking for some way, can someone make me innocent? For equality and superiority. Let me tell you this, and this might give me a little hot water, but so be it. Uh, many of the actions that we do, many of the things that we do in life are for the pursuit of somehow being made right. 
even the good things that we do. You know, have you noticed how have you noticed how some people who have no desire for the things of God are completely, totally alienated and even, even uh, um, uh, 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 an enemy towards and, and opposing the things of God do, do things like, like protest even. And I'm not against protesting. Matter of fact, if there's a righteous cause, I think we should. But many times people try to, um, to cause their, their guilty consciences to be cleared by protesting. Like, I got to feel good. I feel sinful all the time. I'm always dealing with the sin consciousness. Let me go do something good for somebody. Let me, let me march. Let me do what? And nothing is wrong with this. Thank God for people who have done that. Nothing wrong with the people who have peacefully done it. But what I'm saying is that when, you, when we've not dealt with the sin consciousness, we as believers, if we choose to protest, then it should be not because we're trying to ease our conscience, but because there is truly some good out of it. There's a real reason for doing it. All right? And so we find here things like this. Innocence. Always, always seeking to absolve oneself of things. Equality. You know, I don't need to, anyone to tell me that I'm equal. I don't. I really don't. I don't need anyone to say that I'm equal. And I'm not saying that there's, there's not... Listen, I'm not saying that it is, it, is, it is that protesting for equality is wrong. I'm not saying that. I and we as believers don't need, should not need anyone to tell us that we are equal. Or for fight for that purpose. Because if I need someone to make me equal or to say that I'm equal or to fight for me to be equal and that I won't be equal unless that happens, that's a, that's, a, that's a hard pill to swallow. That, that might never ever happen. And as a matter of fact, in this world, it won't happen that people will, from a policy, from a law, ever see us as equal. So I'm going to have to get that from somewhere else. I'm going to have to get a rightness, a righteousness that goes outside of this world system, outside of the things that we are, 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 are seeking, that says no matter what comes down the pipe, no matter what they say or don't say, no matter whether it ever comes to pass or not, God has called me his equal. God, almighty God, has called me. We'll see this in scripture. Even Jesus said, uh, uh, he made himself of no reputation. And he said of, uh, in those, on those same words, he, he did not call, count it a slight to God to call himself equal to God. And we're going to find in Scripture that, that we're, we're made just like him. We're made just like Jesus. So we have equality with God. Why, why do I need equality with anyone else? I'm not saying that we don't fight. When I say fight, in a righteous way, for equality for all mankind, that all that 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 legit, uh, legally and and uh, legist, I mean, uh, um, whatever the word I'm looking for, uh, that we don't we don't stand up for people and make sure the people are made right, that we stand up for them. But I don't. I, we shouldn't as Christians. We don't need it the same way the world is fighting for it. So, 
other scriptures here, uh, equality and superiority. See, see, when you are sin conscious, one of the byproducts of that is to make sure that you are superior to other people. Because you've got to make yourself feel good about yourself. You've got to make yourself feel like I'm okay, I'm all right. Therefore, I need to dominate you. I need to make you seem small. I need to put you down. I need to systemically uh, keep you from getting where I'm at because I'm in, I want to make sure that I feel good about me. I feel good about me. And I'm telling you, that's all a part of sin consciousness. Sin consciousness, number six, sin consciousness is forever seeking an answer to their restless soul. Sin consciousness is forever seeking an answer to their restless soul, but to no avail. Now, you've got to be very honest with yourself to say that you have a restless soul. Most people are not that. Most people don't think of themselves. Uh, 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 they don't go deep enough inside to, to, to judge their motivations for doing. But when we look at this, it says, uh, again, Sin consciousness has us always restless, toiling for um, uh, an answer to why I'm trying to always make myself feel right. Listen to this. Sin consciousness always is seeking to be right, but once found, it, it righteousness, takes wings and flies away. Once it's found, when, once I feel like I feel good today, I feel right today. I feel like I'm okay today. I mean, I fit in today. They gave me a job today or whatever the case may be. Soon as we get that sense of rightness, it takes wings and it flies away. Number eight, sin consciousness is always performance driven. It's always seeking for approval. Sin consciousness is always performance driven. It's always seeking for approval. It's always looking for someone to pat it on the back and say, you're okay now. It's all right. And forever we're on the treadmill of making sure we're okay with something or someone. We need, we need approval. We need to someone to tell us that everything is okay. And, and that kind of thing is consistent for the rest of our lives. Number nine, last one. Sin consciousness will never extend unconditional inclusion for it cannot give what it does not receive what it has not received number nine again sin consciousness will never extend unconditional inclusion for it cannot give what it has not received how can I offer righteousness when I've never been made right myself how can, I, how can I give someone else the satisfaction of unconditional acceptance when I've never received unconditional acceptance myself? I want that to settle in for a minute. How can we give unconditional acceptance and inclusion when we've never received it? ourselves. That's the problem with the world system. It has never received unconditional righteousness. 
Everything is based upon works, based upon I'll accept you if, you're approved if, you're okay if, you're not okay because. And because of that, we have a issue across the board, humanity does, and humanity will never ever find an answer to the sin or the sin consciousness problem until their hearts are turned to Jesus. So, what is righteousness? What is righteousness? Turn to uh, Romans 1 and verse 16. Romans 1, 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now this is a very powerful scripture, and I want to make a, just a little adjustment to it. Not take away from it, but an adjustment to it. He says, for in it, I mean, the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. What I would like to say, for in it, in, it, in this gospel, a righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So Paul is saying here, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, this good news about Christ, for in it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, a righteousness of God is revealed, is revealed from faith to faith. Now you could say the righteousness of God because inevitably there is really only one way to become right with God. But, but there's one other way that I'd like to submit to you. Uh, uh, that so that we can include the word a says for in it a righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith a righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith so so if I say a righteousness that means that there may be more than one righteousness and so I believe there's two kinds of or two forms of righteousness number one is keeping the law if you can keep the law if you're able to do everything every jot and tittle in the law not ever breaking one thing in thought or deed then you have kept God's law. You've been perfect for your entire life. Now, we got a group of people here this morning in our service, and our, I'm sure, you know, 100 maybe, 50 maybe on watching. I don't know how many are watching it right now. But let me just ask all of us the question, have you and I done everything right in our lives? Everything. I'm talking about never even, never done anything wrong ever. Well, even if we say right, who's to say what is right? I asked that question. I said, have you done everything right? That means that there must be a reference for right, right? There must be something that tells us that that's right or that's not right. Like if you go out and lie, what tells you that lying's wrong? If you go out and cheat, what tells you that cheating's wrong? 
So wh- how, how do we come up with this idea of right or not? All of us said, yeah, we did something wrong. And I'm sure that if we ask people out there in the world, um, uh, they would also say uh, that, no, problem not. I haven't done everything right. Well, what makes it right? Now, sometimes people would say, um, oh, I don't believe in, in God. I don't believe in right and wrong. I don't believe in the devil. And all of that is an attempt to justify actions. But if, you t- if someone broke into their home and they called the police on them and they said, well, that wasn't right that they stole from me or that wasn't right that they lied to me or that wasn't right that they, they took from me or they didn't give me a job or whatever the case may be, then that, we are now... Uh, saying that we have a, a, a code on the inside of us that says what is right and what is wrong. Agreed? Okay. <laughs> Listen to this. Romans chapter 2 and verse 12 says this. For as many as have sinned without the law will also perish without the law, and as many as have sinned in the law will be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are just in the sight of God, but the doers of the law will be justified. For when Gentiles, that's talking about all of us before Christ, do, who do not have the law by nature do the things that are in the law, these, although not having the law, are a law to themselves, who show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and between, and between themselves their thoughts accusing or else excusing them. In the day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Now notice he says that their conscience is either bearing witness and between them, themselves, their thoughts, accusing or excusing. How many of that has happened to you? That that you've done something and your conscience either accuses you or excuses you. Like I only did that because... Or, man, I feel terrible about that. Accused us. That make sense? And that's, that's, these are people that don't even have the law. They don't have the Mosaic law. So the point he's trying to make is that all of us have lived by a moral law. And we are, even, even when we were in our worst place, there was always something a little, maybe got a little fainter as we went along. But there was always something either accusing or excusing us. In our conscience, we were living by that, and we would suppress it. Sometimes people suppress it through drink. Sometimes people suppress it through, uh, um, you know, women or, or uh, fighting or, or whatever the case may be, hobbies. We try to suppress the truth. We try to hold it down. But, but on the inside of us, we know, man, something is going on, and I feel bad about it. Before I became a Christian, before I received Jesus Christ in my life, I had a strong sense of what was right and what was wrong. But once I started doing more wrong things, I began to excuse it. I began to excuse it. At first, my heart accused me, and later on, I began to excuse my actions. Like, you know, man, you don't know where I grew up. You don't know know what has happened to me. That's why I'm doing this. And so that's how we began to excuse our actions. But all of that is an attempt to be right. 
an attempt to, to okay, I, I, I need to feel right because I'm, I'm going through a, a, accusations in my own heart. Or I, and now I need to excuse those accusations. This is why I did it. Now, for the Jews, however, it says this. It says, in the day uh, when God will judge the secrets of men's, men of, uh, by Jesus Christ, according to, the, to my gospel, indeed you are called a Jew and rest on the law and make your boast in God and know his will and approve the things that are excellent, being instructed out of the law and are confident that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, having a form of, of knowledge and the truth of the law. You, therefore, who teach another, do you not teach yourself? You who preach that a man should not steal, do you steal? You who say do not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who make your boast in the law, do you dishonor God through breaking the law? For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because you, as it is, or because of you, as it is written. So Jew and Gentile are both dealing with this law, and they're bound to this law, and they have no escaping of that law until Jesus does something. Now let's see what it means to be righteous. So, what is it to be righteous? Number one, uh, righteousness in the Old Testament would be uh, keeping that which everything else is judged by. So that would be the law. In the New Testament, listen to me very closely, it means to conform to a standard. It means conforming to God's standard. It means the ability to stand before God without a feeling of guilt or inferiority. Conforming to God's standard. So let me ask this quick question for everyone out there. What do you think is God's standard? What would be God's standard? Do you think God has a standard? What is that standard? Because it's saying here that righteousness for us, the word would mean to conform to a standard. Now there's other ones and I'll get to those a little later on. Because it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a wonderful word and it has a lot of meaning to it. But conforming to a standard. Well, what is God's standard? Well, I say to you, his standard is perfection. Now, let me ask the question. How many of you have been perfect in your life? How many of you have done everything right? How many of you have abided by every law that you are morally and otherwise? Anyone? No, none of us have. So according to that standard, we're all in trouble, aren't we? We all have a, we all have a sin issue, don't we? And if we don't have a, a way of solving that, that issue, then what happens to us is that we grow ever more unrest. Ever more our soul is tormented that much more because we don't have anything to do with this Sin. Conform to a standard. It means the ability to stand before God without guilt or inferiority. Can you do that? Can you stand before God without feeling any, so any not even one iota of guilt, not one iota of inferiority before God? Many times the reason people are not successful in prayer is because of this feeling of inferiority like I can't go to God and pray will you pray for me 
I, I, I've not been good enough to go to God in prayer. I feel terrible right now. I, God won't accept me. So the ability to stand before God without a sense of inferiority or guilt, can that actually happen? Well, I'm here to tell you something here to, today as we get ready to close out this morning. Listen to this. This is the, this is the answer. And we'll dig into a little deeper. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 22 says, Who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, did not revile in return. And when he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness. What is righteousness? It is conforming to God's standard. What is God's standard? It is perfection. It is perfection. It is perfection. So he says that we will become the righteousness by, by God. So in other words, when we talk about righteousness, it's saying that Jesus has allowed us to meet God's standard. That when God sees us, he sees us having met the standard of perfection, of sinlessness. Not perfection on the outside, but perfection on the inside. Perfection in our spirit man, having never done anything wrong. He says, again, let's read this very slowly. He says that we, having died, died to sin, might live for righteousness. Having died to sin, might live for righteousness. Let's look at another scripture here. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 14, it says, Seeing then that we have a high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. What? He says that he's never sinned, and then right after that, he tells us that let us come boldly to his throne of grace. Well, how can we come boldly to his throne of, of grace or with confidence to his throne of grace unless something has been done for us? Unless something has been paid for us that we can actually stand before a perfect God and look upon him without any guilt and in, inferiority. Something has happened for us. Look at this scripture here. For Christ has already accomplished, Romans 10 uh, verse 4, Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. As a, result, as a result, all who believe in him are made right with God. Are made right with God. Now I want you to understand this. This came to me the other day and it was so wonderful. Sometimes when we look at it and we say, well, um, you know, if you go to court and you get, you get absolved of something, uh, and, and, and they call you innocent, but as you leave that place, you know you really did it, right? I mean, like, I really did it, but he let me off. Then you're still going to carry that guilt with you, aren't you? You're going to carry that, man. I just, but you're still going to be conscious of the thing that you did. Now, when he says here he made, listen to this. He says, 
that, that, that the result who believe in him are made right with God, are made right. In other words, the substance of who we are is made right. We are the righteousness of God. Not, not that we've just been legally taken care of, but he literally made us. He literally made us right. Are y'all hearing me? He, ma- he made, uh, I am on the inside, I am the perfection of God in Christ Jesus. I'm not trying to be, I'm not hoping to be one day, one day in the by and by over there on the other side when I get to heaven one day. I'm not, that's not what he said. He's saying right now there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I have been made in the likeness of God through Jesus Christ. I I am his perfection. That's why I can stand before him without any guilt. That's why I can stand before him without feeling inferior. That's why I can stand for him with not allowing anything in my past come up against me because I've been made, I literally, he made me right. He made me right. Not just legally, but literally. He He made me right. He, all of that. He made me right. He made us right. And so the greatest, I think, one of the greatest things in the church today is that we always refer to one another as sinners. You cannot. That is so against God to look at yourself and call yourself, man and woman of God, a sinner. That you'll always be in that battle to make yourselves right. You'll come to church, not because you want to come to church, not because you want to hear the pastor preach, nothing like that. You come to church because, man, I got I to gotta, I gotta pay up. I, I got I to gotta get my debts. I got to get rid of this sin consciousness today. Therefore, I need to go to church. And many people live in daily, all the time, with that reality that I'm not right enough. Therefore, let me do something to get my ticket, to get inside the room so that I'll be accepted by Almighty God because I've not done enough right. No, he says, now there is no condemnation. Now, now, right now, not, not tomorrow, not next week, not after I have a good day and not after I do my prayers, but right now, I have the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Let me sh- spin this last one to you. Listen to this. And we're going to go a little deeper in this study, obviously. Um, but listen to this. <clears throat> you, you love this script. You've heard it before. Second um, Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, For God, listen, for God made Christ who never sinned, to be an offering for our sin so that we could be, so that, so that, so that we could be made, again that word, made right with God through Christ. Made right. We are, we are made right. And so when we go back to where we started from, I don't have to fight anymore for dominance. I don't have to fight anymore for superiority. I don't have to wheedle myself in and, and, and seek, uh, see myself as inferior to. I, I, don't, I don't need to, to, to strive in my own human natural flesh for equality. I've already got that. I'm already the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I don't need to appeal to the black race. I don't need to appeal to the white race. I don't need to appeal to the government. I don't need to appeal to, to the affluent. I don't need to appeal to the poor. I don't need to appeal to anyone. I've, I'm, I'm made right now. 
That's the missing ingredient for all humanity is that, man, what are we out here for? Because we're trying to make it right. And I feel good when I'm trying to make it right. No, don't do it because you're trying to make it right and you feel good about it. Do it because it needs to be done because it's a right thing to do. It's a, it's a byproduct of your being right. But don't do it to appease your soul, to get the, all of the other crud and con- sin consciousness off of you by doing and performing and working and trying and trying to do all those things. No, we as Christians can stand on the solid rock of Jesus Christ and say today there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I am made the perfection of God in Christ Jesus. Whatever, however he sees Jesus, he sees me the same exact way. Therein lies the issue for all mankind is what do you do with your sin consciousness? What do you do with your sin? Well, I'm going to tell you here today, you do Jesus. You allow him to come into your life, and he will begin to eliminate your consciousness of sin, your evil consciousness. When you begin to relate to yourself and see yourselves as truly the perfection of God, the child of God, a child of the Most High. That's what it's all about. That is the cure-all to the issues that we have in our world today. Because any other form of establishing righteousness inevitably will lead to more division. Because somebody's got to be wrong if you're right. (laughs) Somebody's got to be wrong if you're pounding it out for right. But what if we all could all become right and have the full nature of God through Jesus Christ on the inside of us. We could still fight. We could still be righteously indignant. We could still, if God so leads you, to go and protest on the streets. But inevitably, when you go back home that day, whether you win the battle or lose the battle, you're still the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I hope you've gained something from this. We're going to still be with this. The power of righteousness. Most people, even in Christianity, don't do a good service for what righteousness is. It's unfortunate that we, even Christians, still see ourselves as incomplete. When Jesus says, it is finished. We are the redeemed of the Lord. We've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear Son. We are complete in Him. All of those things are saying to us that we have it right now. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we thank you for this day. And again, I thank you. I pray that, the, that those who will hear this message this morning will not be like the two dogs. One, knowing that he's right. Knowing that he's loved by his masters. Knowing that he belongs in the home. And the other one, always wondering, am I really in or not? What else do I need to do? Many of us are like that as well. Many of us that are, that are out there in this world system, we're constantly bombarded with thoughts of, 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 of sin consciousness. Of, am I good enough? Am I all right? Do I need them to pat me on the back? Do I need their approval? Our motivations are motivated by, by works and performance. But you came, Father, that through Jesus Christ we might have rest. And Jesus, you said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy burdened with the, the, with the desire of being made right some kind of way. 
So many out there today, Father, who daily wake up battling to be made right, battling for someone out there to, to say you're okay. Someone to, to talk to them, someone to befriend them, someone to say that, you know, uh, uh, I'll accept you anyway. But they come up short every time and disappointed. I pray that you would speak to that person this morning. Let them know that you're the end of all their sufferings. You're the end of all of their contemplations of worth and value. I prayed this morning that you would invite Jesus into your life and pray this prayer with me today. God in heaven, your word tells me that if I will simply say out of my mouth what I believe about you, that you are the Son of God, that Jesus came to this earth to make me right with you. I've been battling with sin and and wondering if I'm good enough and worthy enough and, and even fighting, even putting down other people so that I can make myself think that I'm better. Or always looking up to someone hoping to get into their class. But I'm tired. I'm tired of fighting that battle of unrest. I'm tired of trying on my own strength to be right. Jesus, come into my life. I receive you this morning as my Lord and as my Savior. Thank you. Thank you for receiving me. Thank you for loving me. I repent. I turn away from sin. You're the answer to the sin of my life. And I receive you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to the Change Lives, Changing Lives radio broadcast a ministry of New Day Christian Church. Please visit us at our website at www.newdaycc.com. Again, that's www.newdaycc.com. If this broadcast has been a blessing to you, please tell others. And if you ever get the opportunity, please come visit us at New Day Christian Church.